When I was about seven or eight, my school teacher asked me, well, I was asking the class what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I said I wanted to be a dad. This is aspiring parent CJ Kamal. I wanted to be a parent for as long as I can remember, actually. I, I, it's the only job I've ever wanted to do. But no one was expecting CJ to say dad, especially that teacher. I was, I mean, firstly, I went to a girl's school, so that, she thought I was kidding. Uh, she put me out of the class, but I was being deadly serious. Like, I didn't, there was nothing else I could think of that I wanted to be. I just wanted to be someone's dad. Why dad? Uh, <laughs> I have asked myself that. Because uh, as a kid, I didn't know that I was trans, but I I didn't, saying mum felt wrong. Like, that wasn't <laughs> who I wanted to be to my kids. I was, I wanted to be, I wanted them to, like, call me dad. When CJ was growing up in Trinidad, that image of being a father was so vivid. It kept coming up, like the time a teacher asked everyone in class to draw their future family. Uh, it was like your typical like kid's family picture, like a house in the background. Like I definitely had two dogs in there. Um, <laughs> I drew four kids because like my, uh, I'm, I'm the eldest of four. And I was like, four is a good starting point, <laughs> but I don't want loads of kids. I drew myself with short hair, but I was just a stick person. Everybody else was fleshed out as, like, actual people, and I was just a stick person. 20 years later, CJ has fleshed out that stick person. It's a stick person who's gender neutral, still an aspiring dad. But back in that family portrait that CJ drew, there was one more stick person. And then I drew, like, a blank stick person for my partner because I I don't know, I could never... I can never really picture myself like it just wasn't part I don't know it's 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 hard to explain I didn't know what I wanted to picture when I pictured um the other person I was going to raise a kid with so I just used to draw like a blank stick person This is the longest shortest time I'm Andrea Salenzi and for today's guest CJ Kamal every big personal discovery what it meant to be queer to date women to be trans these weren't things CJ inherently knew how to seek out there'd be a fleeting impression where CJ would see something familiar in another person and say, oh, that's like me. I could do that. But now at 28, CJ feels ready to start a family, but still hasn't seen a model for becoming a transgender single dad by choice. And without a second stick figure in CJ's life, it's hard to even begin to imagine how a stick figure child might enter the picture. And before we begin, CJ is trans. And usually with a trans person, we think of a transition from one gender to another. On the streets of London, CJ passes as a man, ripped jean shorts and t-shirts over a flat chest with a high top fade, little twist on top, and a tiny lip ring. But CJ identifies as non-binary, not one gender or the other, and uses gender-neutral pronouns. So instead of the pronouns he, him, or she, her, CJ uses they, them. It sounds like this, like when CJ was a little kid, they'd have a meltdown if their mom made them wear a dress. But it took decades before CJ even realized gender-neutral pronouns were a thing. As a kid growing up in Trinidad, the only gay people they'd ever heard about were in church. 
I guess maybe what people would call like a happy clappy black church. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of singing and dancing down the aisles. And we would never hear about gay people. You'd hear about that being gay was wrong and being gay was sinful. But I, the first time I equated it with actual people was was when Tattoo came out, like the Russian lesbian teen band. <laughs> and they had a music video where they were like making out in the rain. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to make out with girls in the rain. <laughs> making out with girls suddenly seemed possible. But CJ still had questions. Was that a sin? Could you still fall in love and raise kids? We used to play this game on the playground with a skipping rope where they start the letter A and then you keep skipping. And then when you miss, like when you miss a step, whatever letter that is, that's the first letter of the person that you're going to marry. <laughs> we used to play that game all the time when I was a kid. And I remember like I used to try to imagine the name of the person that I was going to marry, but I decided that it had to be a gender neutral name <laughs> from like quite early on. And I was like, no, it's just because I like gender neutral names. But now I'm like gay. <laughs> Is that crazy to look back at all your childhood memories like, gay, 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 gay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I do it a lot. And sometimes I subtly try to do it to my mom because she's kind of always been in denial about stuff. Or like, she, we just don't talk much about my queerness. In general, it still makes her really uncomfortable. And sometimes I like steer her towards, because I'm like, mom, how could, <laughs> really, you've grown up with me. Like, there's no way it wasn't obvious when I was younger. What does she say to that? It's interesting because I feel, I feel bad like talking about it, but also like it's the truth. Uh, I think my mom's very good at repressing certain things or just pretending that they don't exist. Because I very much remember when I was younger, one of my aunts saying to me after I was you know crying about not wanting to wear like really girly clothes, and I remember being told like you're not a dyke, and me saying like what does that mean? And her saying, you'll find out when you're older. When CJ was 14 years old, their mom got a new job and the family moved to London. As a teenager, CJ's queerness started to become more certain. So I figured out that I can't change. You know, I've tried, I've prayed, I've done all this stuff. I can't change who I am, but maybe it would be wrong for me to have kids because that's what I'm being told. It's wrong and children need, you know, a mother and a father. And so I kind of just decided that like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have kids. Yeah. CJ even tried seeking out gay conversion therapy. Luckily, that's illegal in the UK. Like, you could, those places are illegal. Would you have gone? I... If it wasn't? I don't know. I, I At one point, I've, I very seriously considered it. I actually called the uh, the LGBT helpline pretending that I was doing a school project. And I asked them if they knew of any places that did that, just for my school project, of course. And luckily, the person on the phone saw right through it and um, spent an hour talking to me and listening to me cry. And but yeah, I think I, I think there was a point where I would have just because I, you know, my faith is really important to me. And at the time, I thought that the the God that that I grew up with wouldn't want me to be the way I am, and so maybe I just wasn't trying hard enough to not be like that. CJ didn't want to choose between being queer and becoming a parent. But then one day, when CJ was 17, a new example presented itself in the form of a substitute teacher. CJ was talking about her with another teacher. And he mentioned that she has a wife and she has three kids and they live in a house. And that was it. That was all he said. Mind blown. 
you know, before it was me wanting these things and then like people on TV, like debating whether this stuff was right or wrong. And then in front of me, there was this actual person that I like liked and thought was cool. She was just so normal. That was the thing. Like there was nothing, like she wasn't like running around the school trailing a rainbow flag and like, (laughs) like knocking down churches, like (laughs) just like a regular teacher. I don't think I ever even spoke to her is, is the thing. Like, I just remember like staring at her and thinking like, you have a wife and three kids and a house. CJ finally had a role model. And it wasn't long before there was another, Jazz Jennings. She's big in the state. She's a young trans girl. Convinced this was not a phase, but a condition now called gender dysphoria. A phase is called the phase because it is just Ten years ago when Jazz was only six years old. She and her family started appearing on national television to share her story, including the Rosie O'Donnell show, and 2020 with Barbara Walters. Dresses and dolls. But it was a picture she drew that made Jazz's world crystal clear. Tell me about this picture. Why is the little girl crying? Because she wants to wear the dress to school. And mommy won't let her? Yeah. Is the little girl you? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing her on YouTube and then going down a rabbit hole of like trans kids and then having this weird sort of mental disconnect where I thought, OK, so you can be trans uh, if you're a little kid. <laughs> it, but if you're gone past that and you don't know that you're trans yet, then that's it. Then th- it doesn't exist past that. I don't know why I decided that that was the truth. But yeah, so I thought there were trans kids and then that was it. And then sort of drag queens before CJ even started questioning their gender identity, before they knew another trans person, there was this thing that they were sure of. They wanted a flat chest. At the time, CJ was a 38 double G. I said to my doctor, I want a breast reduction, but I want it to like nothing. <laughs> like just, I, I don't want like an A or I just want nothing. And I'm quite lucky because I had a good doctor because some people have doctors that don't really understand trans stuff. Um, But he didn't tell me what he thought. He just sent me to see a psychiatrist. (laughs) And I spoke to the psychiatrist for an hour. And then at the end of the hour, the guy was like, okay, so I think that you're uh, transgender and you're repressing it. And I just, I was actually, I was really mad. I was like, how dare you? You don't know me. You know, (laughs) I thought he was, you know, being rude. Um, and then I, Why would that be rude? Well, because I didn't at the time, you know, all I knew about being transgender was what I saw in the media. And aside from trans kids, which I knew I wasn't a kid, like I only knew about sort of drag queens, but not as like an art form, like as the butt of a joke on a TV show. So it was never like something serious. It was like, you know, people who were like a bit weird in the head kind of thing. What the hell are you talking about? She's not Lois Einhorn. She's Ray Finkel. She's a man. He's lying. Shut up! I don't know if you've seen Ace Ventura Pet Detective with uh, Jim Carrey, but like, you know, the, the, at the point where it's revealed that the love interest is, is trans, there's a whole like five minute scene of him like scrubbing himself and like throwing up in the toilet and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. That's what I grew up seeing about being trans on TV. So that was the only thing I knew about being trans. So the psychiatrist is like, yeah, you're trans. And you're like, how dare you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I immediately left the place and I called my 
well, uh, a friend of mine. And I was like, can you believe this guy said this thing about me? And she was just like, I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say she's wrong. <laughs> and so I hung up on her and I called another friend. And I was like, can you believe <laughs> this guy and my other friend? It was like, maybe you want to look into that a little bit. CJ learned about a youth group that focused on gender diversity. And after six months of building up the courage to go, CJ walks in to a room full of other young people who are actively bucking and experimenting with gender. At the start of every meeting, we'd start by doing like a name and pronoun circle. So you go around and you say what your name is and what pronoun or, you know, what name you wanted people to call you there. Because obviously a lot of us were kids, so we had our legal names but the names that we wanted to be called also so they'd say you know what name do you prefer to be called here and also what pronoun do you want people to use for you and that was the first time I'd heard anything like that and it was just a really good space where you can you could try stuff out. At first CJ tried out being called he. It felt better than being called she but I still you know didn't feel like they were talking about me and then I met some kids at youth group who described themselves as genderqueer or non-binary and they used gender neutral pronouns so most of them used they and I thought like that's more what I feel like I feel just like neutral as in that's what I feel my gender is but it's not that I don't have a gender it's just not male or female and so I tried they pronouns and that instantly felt perfect that like you know when people talk about me using they pronouns I feel like they're talking about me for the first time and that's pretty great by the age of 23 CJ was feeling pretty comfortable in their own skin they'd found the right pronouns gotten top surgery but the question still lingered can I be a parent and then a baby showed up stay with us We're back with CJ Kamal. Fast forward five years and CJ's 27, working as a train operator in London. And CJ's been saving up, putting 20 or 30 pounds aside for the baby fund every couple weeks. They're constantly thinking about this dream of becoming a dad. But CJ's single, so it's very unclear how that baby will happen. And then one day, CJ gets a text message. My sister, my sister sent me a, a picture on WhatsApp of her pregnancy test, and I thought that she was kidding. I was like, "Ha ha," because <laughs> again, I'm the oldest, so like, she's my little sister. She's perpetually a baby to me. And then she was like, "No, I'm not kidding," and I immediately felt incredibly jealous. Ah, uh, it just it felt so easy for her. I know it's not easy for everybody. Like every cisgender heterosexual person, but goddamn it, it was so easy for her. <laughs> CJ's sister didn't have to weigh if carrying a kid could compromise her safety or cause body dysmorphia. She never had to think about where would sperm come from and why the UK databases don't have enough donors of color. She was just like, well, I guess I'm pregnant. guess I'm going to have a kid now. Oh, well. <laughs> I was just like, it's so easy for you. You can just, you're just like, oops. I guess I'm going to have a kid. That could be cool, I guess. And I had been like, <laughs> like micromanic, like super planet, like trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, how I was going to have a kid, like kind of like a science project, you know, like I was like doing all these mathematical equations, like trying to work out how it was going to work, saving up money. And my sister was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm pregnant now. So 
This is going to be a kid. So CJ took the next logical step and hijacked the pregnancy. I made her come stay with me so that I could feed her properly because otherwise she would just eat McDonald's all the time. So I was like, you're going to live with me and I'm going to cook for you every day. She was like, fine. What? (laughs) I was like, listen, it's my niece or nephew in there. I will not have you eating nothing but McDonald's apple pies. I will make you a smoothie every morning and make sure you take these pills. (laughs) Really? You showed up with like the prenatals? Wait, what kind of smoothie? My sister hates vegetables, so I would have to hide so like if I put like spinach or kale in there, because, you know, iron deficiency is a thing when you're pregnant. I did a lot of research. I did probably too much research. So I'd like hide like some dark leafy greens in there and then put like a banana and an orange and then maybe some honey so that she wouldn't taste it. And she just, it, it would always come out green. <laughs> and she'd just look at it like, uh, do I have to drink this? I'm like, yes. Um, I was actually her birth partner as well. So I was there in the hospital That day, CJ was at work, driving for the London Underground. When the call came in that their little sister was going into labor, CJ just stopped the train. I got everybody off the train, (laughs) and I got them to get somebody else to come take the train from me, and I ran, just like, got in a taxi and got to the hospital. And I called her before I got there. I was like, do you need anything? And she's like, yeah, maybe some orange juice. And then I panicked, so I got to the store, and I bought her, like, five different types of juice and, like, some sweets and some fruit. And, like, (laughs) I showed up with, like, three bags, and she was like, I just asked for juice. In the history of uncles... It's hard to imagine one more involved and committed than CJ, who's been lurking on parenting forums since they were 15. You know, I see people talk about how when they have a kid, like it's something that they, a feeling that they could never imagine before. And like, I didn't expect to feel that much for him. Like he's my nephew, he's not my kid, but I love him fiercely. And I want, like, I'm so excited about everything he does. I didn't expect to love. I love changing his diaper. (laughs) Like, it sounds weird. CJ's nephew is one and a half now. And also CJ's favorite topic. So I taught him to dance before he could even stand. He has this smile that, like, (laughs) he, uh, he was born. And, like, I remember thinking, like, should he be smiling this early? And then people were just like, oh, no, sometimes they do that when they're, like, doing a poo. And I'm like, no, 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 he's definitely smiling. Um, (laughs) Like, I have pictures where, like, he learned to recognize me so early before I even thought that he could, like, see properly. And so, like, I would come over to my sister's and his face would just light up. And there's pictures where he's just looking at me and uh, he just, like, he trusts me so much. Like, at the moment... It's funny because he's definitely learning to push boundaries, but I think it's hilarious, but you can't laugh when you're when you're telling him off. So I'll tell him not to do something and he'll do this thing where he looks me directly in the eye and then does it, but like in slow motion, like defiantly. And it makes me want to laugh so much, but I can't because I have to be like, no. Um. <laughs> if I ever see a world's greatest uncle mug, sending it to CJ. In a bit, we'll hear where CJ's at in this quest towards getting a world's greatest dad mug. I'm probably just going to pre-order because CJ is ready. Except for that whole, do I wait for a long-term partner or is it time to go at it alone question? Don't go away. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. (laughs) Ha 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 
And we're back with CJ Kamal, who's 28 now. If you peeked at their Tinder profile, you'd see all these photos, tons of variety. There's a CJ at the coffee shop with their nephew in a sling, CJ at the park teaching their nephew a dance routine, and CJ at home helping their nephew get on his little shoes. Not subtle. I was just like, it, it wasn't like, hey, I'm a person who wants a kid right now. It was like, I'm a person. This is a kid that I love. Maybe you want to comment on the kid that I love. I don't know. <laughs> CJ is someone who wants a kid right now, which is an intense thing to have going through your head when you're trying to seem fun on a date. I know this because I'm in a similar spot, making small talk about tacos or craft beer. It feels tedious if wanting a family is the motivating factor that helped you show up on that date in the first place. And not talking about kids is especially hard for CJ. My sister is at the stage now where every time I call her and I rant about something to do with babies, she just goes, just have one. Just find some sperm and just have a kid. I'm tired. Just just do it. CJ was like, yeah, she's probably right. And started the process that I'm in now of untangling these plans, of separating finding a long-term partner from becoming a parent. And that's where I'm at too. Since I can't control whether or not I meet someone who I want to have a kid with, who will want a kid with me, it feels amazingly powerful when I find something I can control. Like the day I opened a college savings account for my future kid. Take that, Tinder. CJ is doing the same thing, trying to get all systems to go to become a single parent if that first plan doesn't work out. CJ has all the biology in place to become pregnant, and they started tracking their basal body temperature to figure out when they're fertile, know their body better. They went online to get familiar with various sperm donors of color in UK databases. At this point, there are so few, CJ feels like they know them all personally. CJ even lined up some known donor options from their friend circle. The one thing that I don't think I'm quite there yet, which is particularly relevant if I'm doing, if I decide to do it on my own, is I have, I mean, I love my friends. I wouldn't exactly call them like a strong support group when it comes to, I don't see them coming over and babysitting or like being like, hey, I'll take the kid off your hands for a night so you can like have a break, you know. Like I do that a lot for my sister and I think that my sister will be there for me also. But the difference is she'll also have a kid <laughs> that she's looking after. And so that's the main thing I'm worried about. That's the main that's the main thing that was on my list that I, I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet. And having like a strong team around me to help with stuff. Someone to make you the smoothie. My sister would never make me a smoothie. <laughs> I love her, but she she would not make me a smoothie. All CJ wants at this point is to find a role model, a non-binary single parent, and ask some questions. Like, do they regret it? Like, do they feel like feel like they should have waited maybe until there was someone else? And how hard is it to meet people when you are a single parent? I just want to know what people's experiences are because I just I guess I just don't have many examples of what what this looks like. 
Do you think the example would make all the difference? <laughs> if there were like at least a TV show that I could watch and be like, I see, <laughs> this is what this is like. See, I, I wonder about that. I'm going to just challenge that idea that if there was a TV show that was um, <laughs> uh, RJ, the, the trans masculine single dad by choice, uh, who uses gender neutral pronouns and you you could watch RJ on RJ's adventures, uh, you know, I, 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 mothers who go very traditional routes still feel like they didn't know what they were getting into and they couldn't have possibly known what they were getting into. Yeah. What would you get from that television show? What I'm thinking is there must be a lot of sides of it that I cannot possibly imagine right now that that I'm not thinking of as a problem. Like, what if there's this thing that everyone's like, oh, yeah, obviously, when you become a single trust masculine parent who uses gender neutral pronouns... This is a big thing that happens that I can't even imagine right now. How do I prepare for that? I just want to be prepared. Yeah. I guess you can't really prepare to be a parent in general. That is all I hear every week on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just give me a deadline? You should give me a date right now. Just say, CJ Kamal... (laughs) You need to do this <laughs> by September the 5th, 20, what year are we in, 18, 2019. CJ Kamal, you need to do this by September the 5th, 2019. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Since we started talking to CJ, they met someone. And things are so good, but also very new. So we don't want to get in the way or put pressure on something by framing it here as CJ's happy ending. But we'll say this. One of the many things CJ loves about this girlfriend is that she's fully on board for CJ's plan for September the 5th, 2019. It's not like we'd be having a kid together. The way she looks at it is like you had been thinking of doing this on your own anyway before I came along. So if I'd met you a year from now and you had a kid, it wouldn't be that weird. So just do it. So it's on. And while we were talking, CJ even moved up the cell for podcast and post deadline from September to March. After I come back from Carnival, that's the latest that I can start trying, I've decided right here right now that better be one hell of a carnival <laughs> it would be one hell of a carnival just pregnant dancing man man looking person in a carnival costume do not worry we're going to be following up on this deadline and in the meantime we want to hear from you how important was finding the right role model before starting your family tell us in the comments for this episode that's episode number 170 this episode was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Jackie Sajiko. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Akatunde, Anne Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time. Hillary joins us for a very special investigation. You can add 
glitter, which also makes it crunchy. And there's like packing. Wait, crunchy slime is good? Yes, because the noise is fun. Do not miss our deep dive into the booming business of homemade slime and other kid businesses. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or wherever you're listening right now. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear your stories. Right now, we're interested in hearing about the impact of our Working Mom series. Have you seen a change or enacted a change as a result? Tell us. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Stitcher. I say it. Okay. Da, da, da.